The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome to it once again. Yeah, Employment Law Show. We are set to go. We hope you are as well. Yeah, give us a call. We are ready. We are set. So is John Pincus, who's covering the show today. John, welcome to the show. I know we got a lot to cover, including uh, shattering some severance myths. If you want to reach out any time when we're not doing the show, uh, get a hold of John. Member of the team, one 821 5900 is the uh, phone number. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. You can also go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That uh, website right there is absolutely free and anonymous. There is a wealth of information for you to uh to glean including the severance pay calculator which is also wrapped up into uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca but i digress for now anyway pal what's uh, what's going on a couple week that was issues uh, on your side what, uh, what yeah, you got yes us? indeed john a couple situations and uh hopefully people listening will uh be uh, able to relate to these things and we'll call in and, and uh, we'd love to chat with anyone who's listening about employment issues that they or or anyone they know uh, is facing so uh, talking about the first situation uh, involved an employee uh, who'd come to me recently um, she'd been working for a small manufacturing company for about 32 years uh, and about five years ago they had her sign an employment agreement and they said here's a thousand dollars a nice bonus for you and we just need you to sign this to you know update our, our human resources records well it turns out not surprisingly this employee had just signed away her full severance entitlements and unfortunately she didn't see a lawyer at the time uh, so when COVID-19 hit and the company decided to reduce its payroll, they gave her a termination letter mentioning this employment agreement, and they said, okay, well, you've been here for 32 years, but our payroll is less than $2.5 million, so here's eight weeks' pay, and best of luck. right? And, and this could have been a really sad story. You know, 32 years, uh, let go in the middle of a pandemic, and paid nothing more than eight weeks after all that time for severance. It's truly, truly unconscionable. Uh, but I looked at that contract, and after about five minutes, I had some very good news for her. You know, the termination clause was completely illegal for several reasons, was never going to be enforced by a court. Uh, so this person is owed an enormous amount of severance, as much as 20 or even 24 months pay. Uh, and in fact, I expect this will be a very straightforward matter to resolve. Uh, so, you know, of course, there's two takeaways here. You know, first of all, do not ever ever sign an employment agreement if you're an employee without speaking to an employment lawyer first, uh, especially if you are still employed. Uh, the second takeaway, of course, is that if you have signed an employment agreement, of course, it's not ideal, but uh, if you're terminated and your employer's relying on that employment agreement and telling you something like, you know, here's what the Employment Standards Act says, or our payroll's less than $2.5 million, or, you know, we're going to pay you two weeks per year of service, you know, also get your termination letter reviewed by an employment lawyer because the vast majority of these employment agreements, and I, I really do mean the vast majority, uh, are not enforceable, uh, and uh, you're going to be entitled to more severance. How about the uh, the third point of reference for the employer is that if you're going to get a uh, ironclad employment agreement or change of the employment agreement, make sure it's it's exactly that, and it can't have someone like you who is savvy come by and, and rip it apart and say, no, it doesn't hold water. How about that one? 
Yeah, well, that's, that's I mean, the good thing about employers who come to me who want to uh, put together an employment agreement is uh, I'll come with the perspective of someone who's going to try and, and, and uh, right. test it for illegalities and uh, make sure that it complies with uh, all aspects of the Employment Standards Act. So, yeah, for sure, if you're an employer uh, and you want to uh, put, enforce an employment agreement, you got to make sure you do it right. Don't try and do it yourself. Certainly don't try and look something up on Google or, or borrow something from a friend. That's a mistake, and that, that will hurt you later number two what else you got going on so the second situation uh is uh, very interesting uh involves someone who um obtained a one-year fixed-term contract uh, for a managerial position with a major retailer. Uh, and the hope was that she would be able to work for the year and then obtain a permanent position afterwards. So this was a fairly high-level managerial position, and the salary was about $140,000 a year with the potential for a bonus at the end. Now, the other thing that's important here is that this person actually picked up and moved from Alberta to take this job, pretty well uprooted her life. You know, her husband moved as well, forced him to quit his job. So uh, you know, a major gamble, but she figured I'm set for a year, so if it doesn't pan out after that, at least, you know, I've got the year experience, it's worth it. Right. Well, she signs the contract, moves into a new place, settles in, her, her husband starts looking for a job, and she starts working. And, and things actually start to be working really well in the first month. She's got a great rapport with her boss and her subordinates. She's getting great accolades for all the work she's doing. Uh, but this changes about six weeks into the job when her boss calls her into a meeting and says, you know, you've been doing really well, and it really pains me to say this, but I just got off the phone with our CFO, and we simply don't have the budget to keep employing you. We're going to have to let you go. Uh, we know you're going to need some time to find a new job, so we'll offer you a month of your pay. Well, as you can imagine, this was devastating news for her, right? How could the possi company possibly have not budgeted her salary for the year uh, before bringing her on, especially since they knew she was picking up and moving? And, and to not have uh, the foresight to even think six weeks ahead, you know, it's unthinkable. Uh, so she came to me, and the first thing we were looking at is, you know, this seems like a pretty clear case of misrepresentation. Uh, but in fact, it was much simpler than that because I took a look at her contract, and I said, well, you know what? Here's the good news. This contract actually does not legally limit your entitlements. And because they've terminated your employment early, they owe you the rest of the contract. That's right, 46 weeks for this person, almost $124,000. $124,000, that's what she's owed. So we're going to be getting her compensation for that. And, and quite honestly, I can't think of anyone more deserving uh, to be paid out the rest of her contract. You know, as good news as this was, I wish I could undo what happened. And the truth is I can't, right? We can't fix everything. But at the very least, the law does entitle her to some substantial compensation so, so she can reorient herself and figure out what she's going to do. Uh, the lesson here, of course, is if you've been let go from a fixed-term contract, always speak to a lawyer uh, and don't sign anything assuming that just because you've been there for a short period of time uh, you don't have a high entitlement to severance and in fact maybe even more importantly uh, where you are employed for a short period of time uh, eight months ten months a year a year and a half uh, even if you do not have a fixed term contract you can also still be entitled to a fairly substantial severance package so I often talk to people who've been employed for someone for only a year or you know just over a year and they may be entitled to six months pay when their employment's terminated so you know the bigger lesson here actually is don't, just because you have a, a, a short service employment, don't assume uh, that you're not going to have a, a significant severance entitlement because often, even if you've been there for a short period of time, you will still have a, a pretty hefty severance entitlement at the end of that uh, employment.
You know, speaking of uh, fixed-term contracts, is there some sort of, uh, I guess, not hard and fast rule, but if you're working under contracts and, and you sign them every year, six months or whatever, how many contracts can you legally go through before you're generally looked upon as an employee? Well, there's no hard and fast rule here, John, but generally speaking, if it gets to the point where it's it's uh, expected, it's reasonably expected uh, uh, that every year you're just going to be given this contract as a matter of course. Well, that's not really a fixed-term contract. That's starting to look indefinite, right? And and the courts kind of see around these things, especially if you've got messy situations where, you know, and I, I see this all the time, where sometimes they'll go, there'll be a few weeks that will go by and that employee will be working without any contract at all. Yeah. And, and it just becomes kind of a, like an administrative um tradition that every year you sign a new one of these uh, so after a few years it, re it really starts to look indefinite indefinite particularly you know i'd say certainly after maybe five six years if you're signing contracts over and over and over again that's really not a fixed term anymore that's indefinite and the fixed term is is a bit of a sham shattering severance myths let's get into this one that's our topic for the day in between the phone calls and some emails a uh, a little later on Number one is this. When you are fired, you only receive one or two weeks for every year of a service. That might be the genesis of the beginning of the show nine years ago was that big piece of misinformation that everybody assumes, oh, yeah, week, two weeks, that's normal for severance, right? Yeah, and, and of course, this is this comes down to the uh, big difference between minimum entitlements and full entitlements. And this is the difference between uh, when you go on the Ministry of Labor or when you go on the severance pay calculator, right? If you want to get a sense of what your severance entitlements are, you're going to go to the severance pay calculator and then you're going to speak to an employment lawyer. You're not going to go to the Ministry of Labor. Now, that's not because the Ministry of Labor is giving you false information. The Ministry of Labor is giving you accurate information about your minimum entitlements. Uh, and the Ministry of Labor is only entitled to give you advice about your minimum entitlements. And in fact, the ministry has gotten better about giving warnings and disclosing to people that actually, you know what, just so you know, you should probably be speaking to a lawyer about this because we can't talk about this. All we can talk to you about is the Employment Standards Act, right? So the Ministry of Labor is good for a lot of things. They're good if you have any issues about overtime, uh, if you have issues about outstanding uh, vacation pay, things that go wrong during your employment. The Ministry of Labor is well equipped to deal with those issues that happen during your employment, and that's when you should be going and making an employment standards complaint, uh, perhaps with, or in some cases, if it's you know a very small amount, maybe without a lawyer. Uh, but in other cases, if you're dealing with severance, you've got to go to an employment lawyer because the difference can be tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, length of service is relevant still here, but it's not everything. We're going to look at your age. We're going to look at your position. We're going to look at whether you were recruited. We're going to look at uh, whether, you know, you think about the example I just gave this morning. Did you have to pick up your life and, and move away uh, to, to take this job? And that th those are all things that can increase your severance entitlement. So please, 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 if you receive a termination letter, speak to an employment lawyer. Do not rely on the Ministry of Labor for that. In that regard, reaching John or Lior, member of the team, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. The email right now, for uh, for always, as a matter of fact, is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Employment Law Show. Let's keep at it. This is Saturday Shepherd Smith's uh, number two. Your employer says you've been fired for cause, so you aren't owed any severance. I mean, you know, why wouldn't they try that even if they know they're wrong, right? Yeah, I mean, if an employer thinks they have even a, a... a smidgen of a leg to stand on um, and you know if they have any kind of ill will towards you or they're bitter about having to let you go or irritated then employers will often act uh, emotionally um, and uh, assert just cause now that doesn't mean that an employer can't ever assert just cause there are cases you know if the employee has been really uh, egregiously dishonest uh, or has engaged in some kind of fraudulent activities uh, that an employer can assert just cause. But the vast, vast majority of the time uh, that employers allege they have cause for dismissal, uh, the truth is that they just don't have it. I mean, this is what we call the capital punishment of employment law, and it really takes uh, something quite serious. So, you know, if you are stealing from the company or uh, making false representations to them, you know, it's something that goes to the to the trust uh, that you have between you and your employers, that could be cause. But you know, if it's something like uh, your performance, or they think that you, uh, you know, you weren't answering your emails fast enough, or uh, your attendance, or something like that, it's going to be really, really hard to establish just cause or something like that. And I see that kind of nonsense all the time. Uh, and that's when you really have to come to us so we can help you fight for a, a severance package. And generally speaking, you know, if it's something like that, it's actually going to be pretty straightforward to resolve. And sometimes, you know, they, it, that's why they listen to the show and that's why they call you because some people will just take it at face value. Well, the employer knows, you know, HR knows if uh, they're saying I did something wrong, I'd be like over cause. I guess they uh, they know better. Quite often, not the case, right? Yeah, you know, you figure, well, you know, they must have spoken to a lawyer about this. I don't really want to fight about this. And, you know, the truth of the matter is these things typically resolve. Less than 1% of uh, cases that I handle uh, actually see uh, a courtroom because employers are smart enough eventually uh, to realize that this is not going to pan out well for them. And, in fact, the consequences for terminating for cause when you don't have it are severe. Um, so this is this is exactly the kind of situation where you should see an employment lawyer because uh, typically what's going to happen is at some point uh, in the near future we're going to negotiate a confidential settlement for you and you're going to be very glad that you did by the way i'll give you the number again and the contact for uh, for john a member of the team one 821 5900 it is help at employmentlawyer.ca at any time at all you can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca shattering severance myths being quote-unquote on contract means you don't get any severance. We we kind of got into this with the week that was, right? Yeah, we did. And, you know, the... When people say on contract, they usually mean one of two things. So the first is the scenario we talked about in the week that was this morning, which is you know someone who's on a fixed term contract, uh, and you think, well, uh, you know what, I was only on a fixed term contract, and uh, they say I get two weeks if they let me go, so I, I guess I don't get any severance. Now, in in many cases, those people do in fact get severance, and in fact, the example we talked about this morning was over one hundred twenty thousand right. dollars of severance, so it's very significant. Now the other 
other time that people say they're on contract is sometimes when they mean they're a contractor. Uh, so, you know, they're treated as an independent contractor. Uh, they're paid as an independent contractor. But in many cases, those people aren't actually independent. Uh, and in fact, sometimes these are people who work basically nine to five jobs and they work for one employer. Uh, and those people um, are, are going to be entitled to the exact same severance as employees. So this is kind of a, a, a double-edged myth, if you will. Short service employees get very little severance. In fact, the opposite can often be true, right? Yeah, yeah. So again, going back to the example today, I mean, if you had considered someone who uh, now maybe six weeks that may not be in uh, entitled to a huge amount of severance uh, absent a fixed term agreement. But, you know, if you've been employed somewhere, even if it's only six months, nine months, or a year, there's a recognition by the courts that just because you have uh, little service doesn't mean that you're going to take a shorter period of time to someone who has three years or four years. Uh, so sometimes people who are employed for one or two years can be entitled to six months, uh, nine months, uh, or if you're, you know, in an executive role, maybe even a year. Uh, so, you know, there there are cases out there where people have been employed for a year and a half and they are awarded nine months pay. So uh, short service employees are actually uh, that those are some of the most important people to call uh, employment lawyers because the difference between what you've been offered and what you're owed is actually usually the greatest. And the email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll get to some of your emails here in just a bit. Uh, your rights to severance expire if you don't accept your employer's offer deadline. Quite often you get the bottom that says, you know, Friday at 5 or, you know, next week at some time. you got to have this signed back to us or you're stiffed, right? I can probably uh, count on one hand, John, the amount of termination letters that I've seen that do not have a termination, uh, that do not have a deadline on them, right? They, they pretty much all do. And, and I can tell you this is someone who's, who's written them myself. <laughs> uh, and the deadline is not because they're planning on pulling the offer necessarily. Uh, it's because they want you to sign. Now, remember, that deadline is attached to a release. They really do want you to sign it. Can they? Does that mean they can't withdraw it? No, of course they can withdraw it, but think about whether they actually have any incentive to. They're asking you to sign the release because they don't want to deal with litigation. Uh, and, if, and if they pull the offer, they're guaranteeing that they're going to be faced with litigation. And so the actual deadline for, for all intents and purposes that really matters for the vast majority of people is two years from the date you get your notice of termination. Uh, if there's a human rights issue, then it's a, a one-year limitation deadline. But if we're, you're just talking about severance, it's a two-year deadline. So now, of course, you don't want to wait two years. In fact, there's typically no reason to wait at all. You want to call an employment lawyer as soon as you receive that termination letter. But please do not sign that deadline uh, just by fear that it's going to expire. You know, if you've gone on the severance pay calculator and you see that you may be owed more. I want to get to a, an email here while we just get it lined up. Grace writes in and says, guys, my employer has not paid me for the last three months. They say they don't have enough money. What should I do? Well, Grace, I think you need to act, and time is not on your side here. Uh, because if your employer's not paid you for the last three months, it could mean that they are really, really hurting. Uh, and depending on how long you've been there, your age and position, you, you could have a significant severance entitlement. But that severance entitlement's not going to mean anything um, if uh, you know the company goes belly up before that happens. So you know, this is the kind of situation where you're going to have an unpaid wages claim and a constructive dismissal claim. You know, Obviously, it's a very important term of your employment. 
employment. In fact, probably the most important term of your employment, that you work for them and they pay you in exchange. So they haven't been doing that. This is going to be a case for constructive dismissal. I would call us right away uh, because if you wait until this uh, employer goes bankrupt, uh, there may be very little that we can do. So, again, Grace, time is not on your side. Let's do something. Let's do something right now. Grace, you have the email, obviously, the phone number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. But here and now, we always get to our uh, Carlos, our listeners first. Uh, Chris, thanks for hanging on. How are you? Hi, good, thanks. Good. What's on your mind? I'm just curious to know about uh, constructive dismissal. I was off on uh, medical leave. I got an ROH, and. Uh, I was off for about a year or so, never heard any contact from the company. And then um, nothing ever happened, so I just assumed I wasn't employed. So I sent a letter in saying, if I'm not, please contact me. And they haven't. And then I was on uh, benefits, and the benefits ended uh, sometime this summer when I went to go get uh, prescriptions refilled that wasn't there. And I'm just wondering, if they don't contact me, does that considered dismissal or not or do i need a proper um record of employment without a medical well well, thanks chris these are all good questions so let's let's start with you know is this a constructive dismissal based on the fact that you know you're not hearing from them now actually the way it works when you're on a medical leave of absence is that you have um, an obligation to keep them updated as to your condition so you you tell them you know now you don't have to tell them your diagnosis they have no right to get into the the you know the nitty-gritty of your your medical affairs but they do have a right to know things like how long you expect to be off are you going to need any accommodations when you come back and and just sort a regular check-in. So uh, I would make sure that you're continuing to do that um, and keeping in touch with them. Uh, now, at the point that you're ready to go back to work, if you're ready to go back to work and you're emailing them and you're saying, hey, guys, I'm ready to go back to work. Uh, when, when can I come back? Uh, even if you're requesting some accommodations, maybe as long as you're clear about what you need and it's something they can provide. Um, and if they're not giving you the time of day when you're asking to go back, it's at that point that, you know, I wouldn't even call it a constructive dismissal. We don't even have to go that far. It's just a straight up dismissal, right? I mean, if they're not uh, bringing you back, then that's the, then your employment is terminated if you're trying to go back. Uh, but the the mere fact of your benefits ending, um, you know, there there have been some that have argued that that is a constructive dismissal, but that's that's a little bit more contentious, and and there is some uh, precedent that employers are actually allowed uh, to discontinue benefits uh, during a medical leave. I don't think they should. It's not a good thing to do, but uh, the courts, uh, some courts have held that employers do have the freedom to do that. So that alone, I don't think, is going to be enough for you to say, okay, my employment's been terminated. But certainly, if you're ready to go back, you're emailing your employer and you're asking for, even if you're asking for some accommodations, as long as it's, you know, not without something, uh, you know, not outside the realm of what they can provide, uh, you have a right to get your job back. Uh, and that's protected under human rights legislation. So that's the point uh, that it could be a constructive dismissal. But as I understand it, um, at this point, you're still, uh, you're still on that medical leave. You're still not in a position to come back. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And, right. And the work was part of the reason I'm off on medical leave, too. So there's a lot involved before that as well. So that's why I'm curious. 
Okay, well, that, that could be another issue that we want to talk about. I mean, if, if the reason you can't go back is because the employer uh, has not addressed something that is preventing you from being able to come back, then that could be constructive dismissal. Now, are we talking about change to your job? Or are we talking about a, a complaint of harassment? Uh, change, of, uh, change of hours, change of job. Uh, okay. just, it, it, was, it was 15 years of employment, and then everybody else is accommodated for what they need, and it seemed like I was the one being, okay, you're filling in now for this person, you're filling in for this person, instead of having a consistent schedule, which was what it was for the last eight years of the 15. So, And how long ago did that change happen? Uh, when the when the company got taken over about a year um, before I had left, the new person that came in and looked after everything. Okay, so this 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 is something that did happen less than two years ago. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so Chris, I do think that we should have a call uh, off air about that, uh, because that is what could be the basis of a, of a constructive dismissal. If you were forced to take a leave of absence uh, because of changes that were made to your job, and they're not willing to put you back in the position that you were previously, or they're not willing to provide a reasonable accommodation, and you don't want to go back, and you feel it's impossible to go back as a result of those changes, well, that could be the basis of your constructive dismissal, right? So, so we may want to just go back in time and look at the reason why you left your job in the first place. And if you're not inclined to go back, uh, then and you've been there, you know, I, th I think you said for 15 years, it could be a very significant severance entitlement. So I'd like you to give us a call off air if you don't mind. Um, and uh, I think this is something we should speak about. Chris, appreciate your time. Going to let you go. And that number, one 821 5900 Mark, I see you there. Stand by. And more callers are ready. And uh Standing by to ask their questions as well. You still have time. Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back. Still set to go. We hope you are as well. Get to a call. Thanks for, uh, thanks for hanging on there, Mark. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Sure. What's uh, what's on your mind? Yeah, I just have a quick question. Number one is, uh, do you help people outside of the province? I live in Ontario, but uh, let's say I live in Manitoba and I got terminated. I need uh, I need employment. Or can I call you guys? That's number one. And number two is, uh, um, an employer is uh, offering me a short-term employment, only three months, and they say they might extend my contract if I do good. But uh, let's say I accepted that contract and I didn't do well. So, obviously, they're not going to extend my contract, but after three months, am I, can I get a severance pay? I don't know. Well, th thanks for your questions. So, so Mark, um, you know, we, we don't currently uh, operate in Manitoba, so uh, sometimes we can help with the sort of initial negotiation stages of a, of a termination Manitoba, uh, but uh, at at worst, uh, we can certainly uh, help you find someone uh, in Manitoba uh, who can help you with that. So I, I'd encourage you to give us a call, and, and, and we can talk about it. And worst case scenario, we, we may have to refer you elsewhere. But um, uh, often, you know, I, I, 
I have been able to um, uh, help people in sort of the initial stages uh, of those situations. But uh, otherwise, uh, certainly feel free to reach out to someone locally uh, in Manitoba. Um, as far as the question about uh, short-term employment, uh, you know, if you work the entire length of the three-month contract, uh, and that contract just ends. Uh, then you know you're, you're in that situation. You probably will not be entitled to further severance because effectively your notice of termination is the three months. You know that the employment's going to end in three months. Uh, so you're not going to be entitled to severance. Where that could change is if it's extended and extended and extended, and all of a sudden. Uh, it's not extended, uh, you know, like we were talking about earlier in the show. In those situations, you may actually be considered an indefinite term employee and at that point may be entitled to severance. But if it's just one term, you know, it starts and ends in three months, that's a situation where you're probably not going to be entitled to severance. Okay, thank you so much. You're very helpful. You're welcome. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate, uh, appreciate your call. Got an anonymous caller on the air. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? Good. What's uh, What's going on? So issue is, it's a very convoluted situation, but the issue is, is that um, I was employed as a police officer for uh, six years. Um, I got uh, a, a mental health injury uh, during an issue uh, that happened a few years back. Um, since I've been off, uh, my police service is now disbanded, and uh, they given me and and they know obviously that i'm off on a on a mental health issue right now um and they did exactly kind of what you guys uh, were speaking of and they said here's a severance package and um because we've disbanded uh, you, we no longer uh, are you know the township said since we've disbanded we no longer employ you anymore and they gave me a severance package and said you need to sign this within a week and basically like i've signed this thing but I have no idea kind of what the whole process was. Um, personally, I think I was taken advantage of due to my mental health injury. I'm sitting around trying to figure that out, and then this kind of happened. So, as I said, it's a very convoluted situation, but I wish, uh, you know, I wish I could have had a little bit more help and guidance during it. And I don't know if I'm totally screwed now um, in relation to because I've signed this or what's happening. So just a question. You said you were employed as a police officer. Were you part of a union? No. So I'm part of an association. So police officers I see. Aren't, uh, they aren't typically unionized, yeah. So it's an uh, association. Okay. All right. And you said you signed something when they gave it to you. Was that? Uh, do you know if that was a full and final release or was it just a termination letter? Basically, it was the termination. It was the severance letter they gave me. So I guess the association... And the, the town itself came to an agreement with an arbitrator that said, you were not employed by the town, you were employed by the uh, police board, which doesn't even make any sense. But um, anyways, they've come to that decision. And then now all my benefits, all my pension is now being stopped. Uh, benefits are cut off. And basically I was told, uh, your, your um, file will be forward it to WSIB, they will continue, and uh, you will be paid out of severance, and see you later. Right. And another question for you, do, I mean, do you have any private disability benefits uh, with, uh, with the township? No. So I don't have any more benefits now with the township. All my benefits, so, and again, here comes a little bit more of a convolution, 
is that part of my issue took place in the military, but Veterans Affairs does take care of me. Um, right. But part of my issue did take uh, a portion in the police service as well, and they did take ownership for that, which is why WSIV is still continuing to, uh, to help me out. But again, my benefits uh, and my family's benefits are totally cut off now, and it's just like, and it was basically like, here's a check, see you later. Right. Well, the first thing that I'd want to see is what you signed. Uh, if you signed uh, simply a termination letter, uh, then uh, it, it then it may not be uh, a bar to uh, negotiating a further severance package. Often, you, you know, you just see termination letters that say, you know, I acknowledge and I understand uh, what's in here. Now, I typically still say to people, don't sign those either. There's really no benefit to you of signing it if you don't want to take that offer. Uh, but if you haven't signed a full and final release, then you would still be able uh, to pursue uh, your your entitlements. So uh, give us a call off air, and what we'll do is we'll ask you to email us what it is that that you've signed and we'll take a look at it and very quickly we'll be able to tell you whether there's uh, anything we can do uh, given what you've signed gonna move on to uh, Tony hey Tony thanks for standing by how are you go ahead good, good morning thanks for taking my call sure yeah I like to know I'm I'm 70 years old and I work at a company for 40 years and one year ago my boss gave me a termination letter for until November but in um, in March, they it delayed me half. So I would like to know what my right is. Okay, so um, Tony, you you said you got a termination letter until November. Do you mean that they gave you uh, one year's working notice of termination? That's, that's correct. Yeah. Okay, and what happened in March? And they laid me off in March because of the Kobe. He said uh, because of the Kobe. Right, so they haven't been they haven't been paying you since uh, no, since that time. No. Okay, uh, Tony, what kind of job do you have, if you don't mind me asking? I work in an industrial building. We're gonna okay. Okay, so look, this is a situation where you're probably going to be owed more than a year's pay anyway. I mean, after forty years, yeah, um, you know, if if your job was non-managerial. Um, then you're probably someone who's going to be entitled to about 20 months pay. Okay, so that's going to be eight months more than you've been offered here. So that's that's the first part is that you've you've clearly been given an inadequate severance package, and th that's something that we can help you with. The other thing is if they haven't been paying you since March, then that working notice doesn't count. Uh, so that means that they're going to owe you payments from everything from March until until uh, November, and then eight months on top of that. So there's a lot to talk about here, Tony. I strongly strongly recommend you give us a call as soon as possible remember there is a time limit of two years from the date that you got your original notice and I certainly would not wait on this give us a call this is a straightforward situation you're going to be owed a lot of compensation here and we can help you get that Tony a smart plan making the call uh, today feel free to call through in fact do call John and the team 1-855-821-5900 is the way to do that email is help at employmentlawyer.ca as well we'll take a short break get back to it employment law show global news radio you are listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of global news radio 640 toronto and uh, we'll keep it going here with john pinkus you want to chime in you still got some time in the meantime no your employer is not allowed to 
a bunch of these talking points we'll get through and maybe another email or two before we uh, wind down for the uh, the show today. No, your employer is not allowed to change your pay, your job description, hours of work, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, you know, we had an example of this earlier in the hour, yeah. John. I think one of our callers uh, talked about going on a medical leave because there had been some very serious changes to uh, his hours of work. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, that every change of your hours of work is going to be constructive dismissal. Sure. Uh, you absolutely need to speak to an employment lawyer before you make any decision, certainly before you leave your employment. Uh, but you also want to act quickly because you only have two years from the date that this issue arises to do something about it so you really cannot wait uh, and if you have uh, a situation where there's been a significant change in your pay uh, your job description or your hours of work that can be a situation where you can say you know what this is impossible for me to continue you've breached the employment agreement in a very fundamental way and I want my severance and if that's a constructive dismissal and we can help you navigate whether that's going to be constructive dismissal you're going to be entitled to your full severance as if the employer had simply told you that your employment was terminated uh, uh, so make sure to speak with an employment lawyer first, though, because if you don't and you leave uh, and it turns out that it's not a constructive dismissal, you've actually resigned and given up your severance. So really, really be careful about this. Speak to an employment lawyer, but also don't wait to speak to us because there is a time limit. And I'll throw that number out again uh, since you mentioned one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to reach John any time when we're not doing the uh, the show here. I guess that also goes for change of location and any other toward, uh, significant changes to your job, including a reduction of pay of what ten percent or more. Right? I can't do it. Yeah, like a forced transfer absolutely can be a constructive dismissal in, this, in certain circumstances. So, you know, if you're being moved somewhere where maybe you have a 30-minute drive instead of a 15-minute drive, that's probably not going to be a constructive dismissal. Yeah. But if you're if you're in a place where, you know, all of a sudden a 30-minute drive is turning into a three-hour drive or you have to pick up and move your family to another town, well, that's clearly, you know, not going to be contemplated by most people's contracts, right? Yeah. Uh, so that that's going to be a constructive dismissal most of the time. Uh, and that's something that you want to speak to an employment lawyer about before this, this forced transfer happens. Your employer is not allowed to put you on probation after you already pass the probationary period. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's the thing. A pro probationary period is supposed to be a way for employers to test whether you fit the organization. So once you've passed that probationary period, you've passed that fit test. Now, if something happens and an employer doesn't like it, they can give you warnings. They may even be able to put you on a paid suspension. But what they can't do is all of a sudden start treating you like you're a new employee again because uh, you're not. Uh, and if that, if that happens and they terminate your employment and they say, well, you know, we don't owe you anything because you you were probationary. I mean, that's nonsense. That employer is basically asserting just cause, uh, and that's going to be very, very hard for them to prove. They're going to owe you severance, generally speaking, and that's going to be based on your full years of service. And a probation period, we should also mention, is not an automatic thing. Everybody assumes whenever they start a new job, doesn't matter where, when, how, why, what, it's automatically a three-month probation. That's not true, is it? No, and you know that that myth comes out of two things. First of all, you know there's there's common uh, probationary periods is three months, and the other thing is that under the Employment Standards Act, your minimum entitlements only arise after you've been employed somewhere for three months. But you know the funny thing about that, John, is the Employment Standards Act even does not use the words probationary period. It's not a concept in the Employment Standards wow. Act. That's a concept that only arises out of contract. So if you don't have something in your contract that says that you have a probationary period you do not have a probationary period 
Your employer is not allowed to refuse to pay you overtime if you actually worked the extra hours, permission or otherwise, right? Right. Well, I'd I'd uh, amend this uh, this rule very slightly. I'd say if you can prove you worked the extra hours, because right. you know so many employees come to me and they say, hey, you know I I've been working 14 hours a week for two years, you know, and I ask, you know, okay, well, where's your records? Where's the you know Excel sheet showing what you've done? Um, and and in many in some cases, I have employees who have kept diligent records, and in those cases, we're often very successful in getting that overtime paid. But if you don't have records of that, you just say, well, you know, I just know I've been working 14, 15 hours. A week, that's not going to be enough, right? You can't yeah. just say, "Well, the employer will know." Uh, the employer will not take you at your word, and neither will the law. So, if you're in that situation where you're not being paid overtime, do yourself a favor: keep track of it, keep track of the dates, and submit that overtime. Send your employment, your employer, emails every week. This is the time that I've worked. This is the time that I've worked. Ask your employer. Follow up about overtime. And if that's the case, you're not in an exempt overtime category, and your employer's not going to uh, is not paying you the overtime you will be awarded that overtime so just keep records of that and finally this one uh, super important especially now in these covid times your employer is not allowed to lay you off temporarily Right. Unless you have agreed in writing to a temporary layoff, a temporary layoff is a termination. Now, it is true that the Employment Standards Act permits layoffs for certain periods of time. It is true that, you know, we have what's called a deemed leave of absence right now for temporary layoffs under the Employment Standards Act. But that is the Employment Standards Act. And just like severance, there's a difference between your full entitlements and your minimum entitlements. Watch out for employment contracts because employment contracts can often uh, contain a term where you agree to a temporary layoff. So that's not something you want to agree to make sure you don't sign off on that term uh, but even if your employer plans to recall you at some point uh, that uh, that still uh, very well could be a termination so if you've been temporary uh, temporarily laid off uh, as many many people have uh, in COVID-19 let's talk let's talk about what makes sense for you to do either getting your job back or uh, potentially getting you a severance package and that is it for another show. You want to reach out to John Pincus anytime. Here is that number one more time, one 821 5900 You can email help at employmentlawyer.ca. And when uh, you're not talking to John, you still want some information, there's a ton of it there to be had at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Absolutely free and anonymous, so check out that website as well. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.